I was thinking as we were singing all the depths and the riches of God's love about how much we need that in our life. We're reminded of the condition of the Gentiles before Jesus came, as Paul describes in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. We're reminded of the condition of the religious people of Jesus' day. In Matthew 23, all the depths and the riches of God's grace, where would we be without it? The reading this evening is found in Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. It is often titled, The Rich Fool. I've often looked at it and thought about it as I read the account there, particularly as it addresses the rich farmer, as what we would term as the American dream. You read it and see if that doesn't sound like the American dream, how the Americans see life. I've worked, I've labored, I've gained, I've succeeded, I've been successful, and now I am able to take my ease and do what I want to do. Except he forgot about God. And that makes all the difference in the world. And that's kind of what we get to work with as we live our lives. You know, it is amazing sometimes how spiritually dense and worldly-minded people can be. Reading about a preacher who was recounting having a study with an individual spent the time to share with him the gospel of Christ. He took the time to go through the various examples of conversion in the New Testament to try to convince the individual of the need to obey Christ. And then he asked, he said, have you had any questions? And the individual responded, that he had one question. He said, in that passage where the Spirit caught Philip away in Acts 8.39, do you suppose he was, that was actually a UFO? Totally missed anything that the gospel had to say. And how many people in the world totally miss it? To one degree or another, the Pharisees on their side, the scribes, the elders, the rulers, missed what the gospel was all about. A similar thing has happened here in Luke chapter 12. As we begin the chapter, he's beginning to address a multitude of people who had gathered together, pressed about, trying to hear what he had to say. He was teaching them about the importance of fearing God. Don't fear the one who can kill the body but not the soul. The one you need to have respect for or to fear is the one who can destroy the body and the soul in hell. And yet while he's teaching, someone from the crowd interrupts him with a request for Jesus to resolve 
A family dispute over what? An inheritance. He's teaching spiritual matters. It's all about who God is. He's talking about the responsibility that we have. And then one says, Master, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. Where was his mind? What was he thinking about? Well, that which was earthly. That that prompted a response from Jesus. And it also prompted a warning that he would give to the parable uh, in the crowd. The dangers of covetousness and the dangers of placing one's confidence in earthly riches. That temptation or that danger has never left us. We have that tendency in the world in which we live that says there's things that are out there, whatever them things may be, of this clamor for our attention, this watch, listen, read ads, and see how much they clamor for your attention over things, things that you really need to have. They had a new one on television, I hadn't seen new commercial about a flashlight that's powered by water. It has a cell in there and you stick it in water and it charges up and it lasts for hours and hours and hours. And that's what you need for whatever it is, whatever may be coming your way. And you can get it for $29.95 or whatever it is. And if you order it now, you can get two of them. Uh, you know, oh, that's what we need in case, you know, whatever it is. You know, it's just the things that we think that we need to have. And I remember years ago talking about the commercials. And commercials are not intended to grab your attention necessarily the first time. But by the 50th time, you begin to get the thing in your mind. <laughs> And a lot of us may have things in our garage. I've got one hanging in a shed back there that I don't use called a weed eater. You know, them things, when they first came out, you just had to have one of them things. They were important. And now they got whatever the new gadgets are now. But I'm saying the clamor for things, covetousness, and placing place our confidence on earthly desires. If you just have this, if you just do that, if you just move here, whatever it is, to get our attention along the way. So he gives the parable of the rich fool. And he's given it to a materialistic society. And what Jesus has to say has a lot of relevance, or be very relevant to us today. You notice that the brother asked for Jesus to intervene in his earthly life. He wanted him to settle an earthly score and make the brother share his inheritance. And Jesus doesn't even respond to that, that request. But he has a bigger desire in mind. He warns him against that hypocrisy that the Pharisees were demonstrating. He teaches them about the fear of God. And he instructs them on the need to confess him before men. 
To confess is to state that you are in agreement with what you're being asked. If somebody makes a confession to a crime, they are acknowledging they are guilty of doing the crime. We are asked to confess God, that he is who he says he is. We're asked to confess Jesus, that he is the Son of God. And not only is the only Son of God, he is the only Savior for mankind. Regardless of who they are, regardless of where they live, regardless of the circumstances under which they live, they are responsible or have an obligation to God. And there's a need for those who have done that to confess Jesus before men. He is the Son of God, and He is the Savior, and no one goes to heaven but through Him. It's not a popular teaching. It was not then. It has remained that way long from, from, from creation, if you will, but all the way down through time. It's not been popular to make that confession, to deny yourself, crucify yourself, take up that cross, and follow Him. He's concerned about spiritual matters. And yet there is that one who is concerned about the physical matters. And that's just about the same as some of you thinking about a ball game coming on later tonight as opposed to thinking about the Word of God being preached tonight. Where is the mind? Where is the heart? Where is the desire? Where is the setting the priorities and where they need to be. Again, the world and Satan is very adept at making those subtle changes in what he would want us to do. Very successful with the scribes. I mean, they were religious people. They were the ones that were transcribing, copying, the word of God. What greater task would that be? If you ever take the time to read that or read how they did that, it is absolutely phenomenal of the care and the dedication that they gave. But they had the care and the dedication to the task and not to the message of what they transcribed. Think about the care or the subtle change that he would make with the Pharisees of how they lived their life. And then Luke 18, as he talks about the Pharisee and the publican that went up to the temple to pray. And how the, prayer, the Pharisee prayed a fair description, is it not, of the religious world? Oh, I thank God I'm not like other men. I thank God I do the things that are required in the law. I give my tithe. I, you know, they, they counted down a tenth of everything that they had and gave that to God. They were dedicated 
to the externals and not to the message. They had all the appearances of being religious, and Jesus talked about that, but inwardly, they were just full of dead men's bones. Their heart was not in it. Israel had that history all the way down through. The failure to understand who God is, the failure to understand what God wants, and the failure to understand why God wants that. God has always been generous, always blessed. He's never been after what you have. He's always been after you for who you are and what you can become in being that child of God. He was very displeased with how the people were responding to his message. And he would talk to the individual, ask the question, man, who made me a judge? That's not what I'm here for. And then to illustrate that concept that the brother was so concerned about the physical, he forgot the spiritual. Jesus is going to give that parable that he has, which we call the rich fool. And again, as I indicated as you read it, does it not sound like that American dream? I mean, if you just apply yourself, you just imagine what you can be. Is not our history as Americans just filled with that? Don't we, do we not have account after account after account after account how individuals can come from the poorest of circumstances, they can dedicate themselves to what they're doing, and they can rise up to the, to the ranks of being president of the United States. We have account of account of that. But we forget. As it's going to talk to the rich young farmer or the, the rich farmer, and he's going to have to remind him, as he gets down through there, your life does not consist in the abundance of things that you possess. That's not the judgment of your life. That's not the rule for your life. That's not a measuring rod for your life. What you possess is who you are in relationship to God. He'd been richly blessed with large crops, verse 16. He considered his situation and he made plans for the future to build greater barns to store his crops, to retire and to enjoy the fruits of his labor for many years. And yet, what did he forget? He forgot God won. And he had made preparations for many years Without knowing, he did not have many years. But he thought he was well prepared. Physically, he may have been. But also we need to understand and to realize that when he says, soul, you have your goods, enjoy life, settle back and enjoy what you have. 
the soul is never satisfied with the physical. That's physical. That's the body that's happy with the, the things. The soul is spiritual. The physical is going to disappear. And the spiritual will indeed remain. But as you read down through there, you read the selfishness. I have done this. I have gained this. This is what I prepared for. This is how I'm going to live. No thought of God. No gratitude being offered to God. His crops are bountiful. And exactly how much did those bountiful crops actually depend upon him? Did he manufacture the seed? We try to do that nowadays. Did he till that soil he may have and fertilized it? But whose soil was it to begin with? See, everything that he was able to accomplish was not by himself. God was definitely involved, but he had forgotten God. He had forgotten that in his abundance that he had an obligation to be concerned about those who were less fortunate than himself. And he was not willing to do that either. It's been said for all practical purposes, this man was an atheist. From the description or from the illustration of the parable that Jesus is using, it would have to do with the Jews of his day that he would have reference to. And that's one of those sad commentaries, is it not? Even on our society. How many claim a knowledge of God? How many claim some type of recognition or allegiance to God but have really not heard what he has said. And that applies to us as well. What is the first and the foremost of the commandments? To amass all that you can amass in the days of prosperity so that you have abundance in the days of drought. Is that what it is? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second, take care of number one first and do not worry about the others. No, to love your neighbors as yourself. This is what sums it all up. Old Testament, New Testament. This is what sums it up. Loving God first and loving your neighbor. Treating others as you would want to be treated. That golden rule again. Again, as you see it in, in the case of the rich farmer here. That domino effect. He set himself up. And when the first one fell, so did the rest of them. 
You forgot God. That's the first one that set off the chain reaction where he lost his life. Seek God first. That's the other domino effect. You seek God first in his kingdom. And all these things shall be added unto you, leading up to eternal life. The dominoes go the other way. It's what we're looking for. That which would lead us towards heaven. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 116 and verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? You think about that. What shall I render to the Lord? What are you going to give God for all that he's given to you? For all the benefits that you are that you have received in your life, that are receiving in your life, that will continue to be there as long as there is a physical life. What are you rendering to God? I am mine no more, Lord. I am mine no more. It's not me. Whatever I have is because God has given it. Whatever I achieve is because God's involved. The air I breathe, the the life I have, the blood that pumps through the veins, all of it, everything is his to begin with. And how has he blessed us? You know, know, things again are are not the key. Most of us would only have read about it. A few here would have lived through it what we call the Great Depression. And those who have lived through it and those who have talked about it and those who have had similar circumstances growing up will tell you. They never saw themselves as poor. They've always been richly blessed because God was always there. And they leaned on him. And all that we have You can buy food that's whatever it is that will last 25, 30 years. Why we outlive a lot of us, still be around. We have things that those that preceded us never, never even dreamed about. Many who didn't have electricity until years and years down the road inside plumbing. Many of you would remember what they called the party line on the phone. We had an eight party line. Each one had a ring. And you could almost rest assured whenever you talked on the phone, there was somebody on the other end or one of those extension listening. And now we have individual phones that you carry around with you. But I'm just simply saying, does the abundance of things make the life? And if they are what makes our life, then we have forgotten what God has done for us. We need to go back and read again how richly he's blessed us. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where moths do not break through and thieves do not steal. 
Be rich towards God. Understand, we sing the song, Oh, how I love Jesus. We sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. We talk about the depths of God's love and his sacrifice of the son, his son on that cross and the riches of his love. We can never out-love God. We can never out-give God. And we can never out-bless what God blesses us with. We are blessed, richly, deeply blessed. Just that thought again of forgetting what we have. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 1 and verse 3 that all spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus. And we sing that song periodically, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You count those blessings. This start with the first one, forgiveness of sins. Count your blessings. God said, I'd never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Count your blessings. There is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. Count your blessings. The burden may seem heavy. The road difficult. But count your blessings. Understand how richly God has watched over you. How richly he's working in your life. Count your blessings. Our God, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Count your blessings. The rich farmer forgot that. He got so wrapped up in this physical world that he forgot what was important. The question would be, are we like him and not know it? Has he influenced us in ways that we may not have seen? Maybe we need to re-examine our lives and reread the parable, reread that section of Scripture. Maybe we need to read to read again. If, you, if this world is your home, if this world is what satisfies you. As much as we're not told to, the Bible says God says you're a fool. You are a fool. Your soul is going to be required of you this night for the rich farmer. And then who shall all these things be? This life isn't it. God allows us time to adjust our lives. 
God allows us time in our physical lives to refocus where we need to be, to get back on track to where we ought to be. Because sometimes we've drifted and not been aware of it. But always know that each step that you take, the Savior is with you. If you trust him and if you're willing to do his will within your life. That has to be a choice that you make. We can pray. We can plead. We can encourage. But it is a step that you have to take. God in his patience and forbearance waits. We need to make a change in our life. We need to become that Christian. We need to make that change in our life to renew that life with God once again. We'd be subject to that invitation that he has. And we need to respond to that invitation that is extended at this time. If we could assist you, if we could help you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.